Welcome to the Light Pod, brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. I'm your host, Sam Corbel, and today we welcome Kimberly King to the podcast. Kimberly is focused on design and supply at Illuminate, which is based out of Philadelphia. She's got a unique approach with her company and how they help get a job to the market, what they do, how they tap into everything and how they can somewhat remain not only agnostic, but really be in favor of the client and the end result while making sure things go from A to B without disruption. It's an interesting topic, you know, how the industry is evolving and how different ways to market are evolving and and quite frankly, how they make sense but they don't necessarily fit into the traditional channels. We're gonna dive into that kind of design-minded supply chain that is out there, what it means to be focused on that, how it works a little bit, and of course, enjoy it because lighting is awesome. Kimberly, welcome to the podcast. It's good to see you. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. I know today, you know, we're here to talk a little bit more about not only your progression through uh, the AEC world with a foundational interest in architecture, uh, you've also dabbled at interior design, looked at manufacturing, and now you're kind of like doing it all under one umbrella. But before we get into that, do me a favor. Tell everybody, who's Kimberly and how'd you get your start in lighting? In my heart, I'm a designer and I'm a creative thinker. I love the process of design. I love thinking about the people that are gonna move through the space. Um, but I also like taking that that creative process to the supply world. So like, how do we really get this design vision um, to come together? Like thinking about, you know, the negotiating, the shipping, the logistics, like really coming to the table with like this, do we have to do it the traditional way? Could we think more creatively about how we can really arrive at this end result um, that the designer um, or myself is looking for? How did I get into lighting? I was working for an architect, learned so much about documentation when I first got out of school. It was an incredible opportunity. They That was like 2007, sort of closed their doors, and I got an opportunity with Lighting Design Collaborative in Philadelphia. Worked with John Sarkiogle, Gary Garofalo, and Christina Spangler, and that was like such an incredible experience. We had this big mock-up space, and I mean, it was just like, it was a wealth of knowledge you're sitting there playing with light and materials um, and really understanding how, you know, I'm using my background in interior design education and I'm bringing that to the table and I'm thinking like, wow, now I'm seeing how light and materials really interact to create a unique experience. You fell into this industry, as you mentioned, a lot of people say they fall into lighting, yet they never leave it. Uh, it's grabbed you, it's captivated you but through your own journey and your own path, which includes all these different stages of your career that you now kind of try to do, I won't say all of them at once under one uh, brand and strategy, but several of them. When was the moment for you when you said, this is all cool, but? Mm. (laughs) That was a really hard moment to be honest with you. I got this opportunity working at the lighting practice in Philadelphia um, after Lighting Design Collaborative. Um, The people there are absolutely incredible. It was just a bigger group of people. Like John taught me everything in this mock-up studio and then I arrived at the lighting practice where there's people from wide varieties of backgrounds that really influence you. And I'm working on like a children's hospital and Bergdorf Goodman in New York and so many projects that I was really inspired by. 
Um, and not only inspired by the projects I was working on, but the people that I was working with. There was one particular client who um, was a hotel developer and they would bring in um, suppliers from CS Illumination, Wheatenbach Brown. And in the process, I sort of learned how to take a step back from using my rep as my resource and using them as a resource because these projects weren't local, they were all over the country. So in the process of working on the last, one of the last projects at the Lighting Practice, Bergdorf Goodman, there was this question about like, from the client, like, we're not getting the pricing you said that we're getting, you know, how can we really arrive here? And that's where I was the one to introduce what were these quote unquote national account suppliers to the client and sort of explain to them that like they're not necessarily working in the New York industry, so they have a greater perspective of what product costs nationally, like maybe have a conversation with them. In that, um, Scott King at CS Illumination was like, Kimberly, why don't you consider something different? And it took me probably six months before I really was like okay with the idea of changing into this like supply world. I was so curious about how to never VE a job again. I was just I was just curious about like, well, how do things work? When I'm done documenting my work and they go out the door, like what really happens? And it was something that I had asked my team internally and they didn't have an answer. Um, so if you get to know me well enough, it just, is the way it is, is never a good answer for me. <laughs> um, I like needed to go out and understand and explore. And what Scott gave me was the opportunity to continue design. So um, the next two years would offer me um, a design opportunity doing the next um, like 40 stores for Warby Parker in two years um, in combination with doing supply for hotels and a quite a variety of different projects. You mentioned that you were at one point in time relying on reps as a resource and then you found something else as a resource. The exact same thing a rep was doing, but they didn't call themselves a rep, right? Right. The interesting part about our industry is while there is one, so to speak, largely known public way of doing business, the reality is every single day there's lighting sold into the market in ways that nobody ever hears about. Yeah. When you look at, we'll call it the design-minded supply yeah. world that you are now living in, what is unique and different from the standpoint of it not only is disrupting it, but it's creating value in a new way? I think it's not about doing things right or wrong. It's about doing what works and what doesn't work and building trust with people and finding ways to, um, like if you're gonna be a designer and you wanna come up with all these ideas and you don't want to use a line card, then you can't rely on your rep to be the one that's helping to bring your project to the table. you got to start to branch out and be partners with the suppliers because they're the ones that are going to take on the responsibility of talking to the variety of reps that you want on one job to get that job to fruition. I think what we do really well is we want to understand what the vision is of the client. We want to, or of the design team, and we want to partner with the client again. So it's not a transactional, it is a transformative experience. So um, in your traditional supply world, it is a little bit transactional, and that is because of the history of supply and product. You had stuff on the shelf, you had troffers, you could buy a Philips one, you could buy a you know GE one, like nothing was really as unique as the product that we have on the market today. So there's like a need and a desire to really understand not only the design, but the architecture 
um, and to th- and to think about like, okay, well, how do we really make this this design vision come to life by really diving in with the designer and understanding what they need, and then pulling back and using your manufacturer partners to say like, okay, we have to get to, at this price point, we have to get it to meet this project schedule, and to really rally around partners that you trust and that you build relationships with to be able to kind of get all the parts and pieces to the table to make this design vision come to life. It's interesting that you bring up the vision and the relationship that a supplier has with vision, right? Mm-hmm. Those are not two things that are probably generally speaking talked about in the same meeting. Like uh, creative direction in a schematic phase is insane. Well, who's gonna supply the job? Right. Right. But at the end of the day, the last point of contact becomes the first point of contact. Mm-hmm. And the last point of contact is the supplier, yeah. right? It's who's physically like getting these goods to the site, who's signing for them, who's dotting the I's and crossing the T's and making sure all the parts, pieces, and components of the necessary equipment, which in this instance is lighting fixtures, but could easily be the things that power the lighting fixtures, could be a plumbing fixture. And a creative vision is only good as its execution. So I want to take a quick break and when we come back, we'll dive into more of really what drives time and budget. It's the fact that you got to make money (laughs) for whatever you're building. So you can't sit around and dream about it every day. Action is required. Sound good? Yeah, perfect. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, the Light Pod is brought to you by LightEye a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment. They're focused on you, the community, telling your stories, empowering new ideas, and elevating the voice of lighting design. If you want to contribute to LightEye, if you want to be a part of it, if you want to help fund this creative content engine, check them out at lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Kimberly and I were talking a little bit more about, you know, what really matters on a project. And it's pretty simple. It's the client. It's what they want. And what they want is a finished product at a certain time frame with a certain amount of money spent. There's so much that goes into the time. And time's the one thing nobody's ever getting back. Right? <laughs> seems, yeah. seems to be the one thing uh, the world has less of. I think the the global pandemic shoved everybody through like a warp hole of almost freezing in time. And now we're back to go, 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 go. And like make up for lost time, whatever that means. And like get ahead. And, you know, like we're back to uh, an environment that we're quote more used to as human beings than the one that we've lived in for the last three years. When you look at the fact that, there's a lot to do with time efficiency and what you're discussing. How do you see that disruption as an opportunity for other parts of this industry to also experiment with it or latch on to it? You use the word disruption and I feel like I feel better about using the word evolution. We're constantly evolving into something better or different. There's, new, there's newer product um, and there has to be a newer way to market that product. There has to be a newer, a a better, a different, a more thoughtful way than the way that we have right now. You know, we have construction schedules that are so wild and I'm thinking, why are we bidding out these jobs? I feel so fortunate to have taken that leap into the national account world 
where, I mean, we've got, we had Warby, um, Scott King and Susie Hammer had Lululemon. That client was just such an amazing client to be part of, both of them, um, where you, you have these annual summits, everybody comes to the table, you have this like lesson learned experience. Um, and you really understand, like as an owner, if you're going to build multiple of something, mm-hmm. it's good to partner with suppliers, and it's good to build a trust with them. And they're going to get to know you, and they're going to be invested in the outcome of what you do. Mm-hmm. And I think any designer would want that. They want someone who's going to be invested in the success of their project. It's why they never put their pens down at the end of the day, because they can't, because they. They don't want to look back when it's done and say, damn it, wish I would have done that this way. You know, and it's like, it's it's all of their heart and their soul going into something. And if there's somebody on the other end receiving that mm-hmm. and also sharing their heart and being like, hey buddy, I got you. I'm gonna make this to the finish line. That's like a win for me. Like I love, I love, love, love that. When you think about taking the time to put all that together, we talked earlier about having it on under one roof. It's really more about finding a team and having them, no pun intended, all be in the same building, right? All be under one roof, all be working together to work towards that common goal. When you look at where you're at today, uh, the success that you've had at Illuminate and the success you've had in general with this idea, where do you see it going in our industry? The better version of the question might be, where do you want it to go? I would love to have another podcast where we have a rep on the phone and we have a designer on the phone and we're not even on phones, but like to really talk through like, okay, well, like, you know, how do we collaborate with one another? Mm-hmm. How do we understand what value we bring? You asked a question on a podcast which was like, what do you need from the manufacturers? What do you need from the suppliers? What do you need from the reps? And then for me, like, what is the design? What yeah, do you what need do from you, the designer? What do you like, need from the designer? So I, w- I would say that there's a few things um, that I would love for the design community to do is sort of start with documentation. Um, I, so many times I see a drawing set. First of all, as a lighting distributor, we only get the lighting set. That's what people inherently think we only need. <laughs> for me, I need the whole package. I want the renderings. I want everything. I want to understand everything i want to understand the vision and the product and how you're using it i think everybody that's doing supply should so that they can do it properly and make sure that they're they're accounting for all of the details of those nuances it's a classic example of you don't know what you don't know right like how how can the design community expect the supplier to nail it if you only get half the information right oftentimes i'm looking and there's a lighting designer fixture schedule and then there's an engineer's fixture schedule and i'm like guys why can't you collaborate? Like you're using all Hubble brands, he's using all Acuity brands, like, or not, you know? And then you're like, well, now I I need to offer solutions that not only save costs, but are like, are, are consistent, you know? And so it's like, ah, could we start with that? I think the other thing is budget every phase of the project and issue your budget with your lighting schedules, with your spec booklets, with um, your drawings. Maybe if the owner never looks at it, that is unfortunate. To And oftentimes I will put it in front of people and I don't get the feedback that I need because they really need to bid out the whole project to understand the grand scheme of things. It's so hard to get a number from a client of where they need to be. 
Um, and, and I often try to help them develop that budget and that still becomes challenging. But if you can do the work to say like, no, I was designing to this, um, I think that's really helpful. And I think it's helpful when you get to the, the construction side that when there's the rep and the supplier and the contractor sitting at the table that you make sure you're there with your unit cost pricing so that you can discover where some of the overage might be, where some of the hiccups might be, where some of the misleading, like, oh, I didn't really understand that detail well. Um, I think another thing that you could do is put put quantities on your drawing sets for bid purposes only. When people are bidding, they don't have different counts. I'll tell you this, so, you know, there was like illuminated handrail and the way someone documented it, it made it seem like it was continuous around the entire thing. When really what it was was just a pod uh, and a little mm -hmm. every six feet on center. Well, because it wasn't documented clearly, it wasn't priced out properly. And so like, but you're comparing me who goes into the details and is like, wait a minute, this isn't right to somebody else who's not doing that. Oftentimes that's how I, I win projects. I get into the details and I'm like scratching my head, like, wait a minute, I don't think this is right. You pay attention to the details. You pay attention to what information isn't there. It all, right. st it, it all starts with communication and documentation. If you can support that intent, uh, obviously it's helpful for you. Obviously, uh, you know, we said earlier, everything's custom. Nothing's ever done the same, same way twice. Yeah. It's like, can it be automated? Can it not? Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it comes back to clearly uh, communicating by providing the appropriate documentation. And in 2023, the opportunity to be able to do that not only exists, yeah, but needs to be taken advantage of. And the first step of this evolution or revolution of shifting from transactional to transformational yeah. uh, material supply is using the freaking tools and technology that we have. It's also stepping out of your box sometimes. Yep. And, and, and listen, you're in your box for a reason because you do what you do really well, but it's stepping out of your box and asking for feedback. Mm -hmm. Stepping out of your box and calling a distributor and being like, what do you do? What value do you bring? Um, getting to know people that you don't, instead of having a, an, an idea in your mind about what people do do, ask. Number four most listened to podcast on the light pod the first year was a conversation on the value and the purpose of an electrical distributor. It's something that's just not talked about. Mm -hmm. You've shared some of your story today. There's more to talk about. So we'll do it again. Perfect. But as you as you look forward to, you know, what's next for you in this journey, what does the next year look like for you? I don't know. I wanna do so much. I wanna do more. I, I've I've been so fortunate I've been working on a project with an international team. So the architects in India, the projects in the Cayman Islands and we're sort of communicating with these folks in Dubai and I'm seeing how supply is happening around the world. I also have a friend in London, so he does things a little bit differently. I don't know, I think it's about like, this year is about branching out, connecting with some people I haven't connected with in a while and reminding myself of why I love what I do, um, but also being explorative um, and trying to get to know what I don't know um, and put myself in positions that I can learn more and that I can be a resource to um, the people I love working with. I think being passionate 
uh, will always set you up for success, right? <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on everything that you've done. Thank you. I'm stoked that you're passionate on what you do, and I'm excited to see how you continue to take this idea, this opportunity, this new approach to you know supply and helping design intent being seen through and start to collaborate with more people, get the information you need, and uh, make clients happy. Yeah. If people want to get in touch with you, if they want to reach out, what's the best they can talk to you? Um, they can email me at Kimberly at myilluminate.com. If you have questions, if you want to talk about this more, I promise you she's fast when it comes to getting back to you via email. <laughs> she's got a big <laughs> smile on her face right now. Give Kimberly uh, a shout out, uh, you know, connect with her uh, on LinkedIn or uh, send her an email and see what happens. Kimberly, thanks so much for your time and the conversation. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Sam. Thanks again for listening to this episode of The Light Pod. If you enjoyed it, do me a favor and click that like, follow, or subscribe button. That's the best way to never miss another episode where we talk to people about all things lighting who have inspirational and thought-provoking conversations to share. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.